0: And uh, this morning, I was thinking about, in our world, <clears throat> we have lots of symbols and logos. Um, there's actually a, uh, a game you can download on your phone. I think it's called Logo Quiz or something like that. It was real popular about, I don't know, 10 years ago. And uh, you could download it, and it would show you a, you know someone's logo, like a company. And you know, the part of the game was to guess uh, what the company was. And so I, I remember I played that for a few months. And then after a while, it got so, you know, you get through the easy logos and then it gets harder and harder and harder. Uh, and so after a while, it wasn't very fun anymore because it was a lot of companies I'd never even heard of. Uh, but in our world, a symbol uh, is, symbols are everywhere. Uh, if you see uh, logos, I, I remember uh, Finley, He he, as soon as he figured out, what the golden arches were, uh, as soon as we would pass uh, McDonald's, whenever he started talking, every time we would pass uh, McDonald's, he'd go, old oh, McDonald's, old oh, McDonald's, and he'd want to go to McDonald's, so we'd always have to stop. So if we didn't want to stop at McDonald's, we had to adjust our route, uh, so that way we didn't pass the McDonald's on the way home. Uh, and So this morning I want to look at uh, three symbols of Christianity, three symbols of Easter that we typically think of. As we uh, reflect on this morning, a lamb, a cross, and a tomb, <clears throat> and so we're going to be kind of all over Scripture, and I, I've got Scripture up on the screen. At least uh, we should have, uh, so we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll be kind of all over Scripture, looking at these three symbols of Easter, three symbols of the sunrise, and so the first symbol is a lamb, and so uh, I, I think, I think all three of these. Are associated with Christianity, but as a lamb, all through Scripture, uh, Scripture talks about uh, it talks about lambs and sheep, and uh, we talk about the sacrificial system. We we know that David was a shepherd, and we uh, kind of see David as an archetype for Christ being a shepherd, and we uh, see in the New Testament that Christ calls himself the Good Shepherd. But really, if we're I'm going to go back to what a lamb means for Easter. We have to go all the way back to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, this is uh, beginning uh, the 10th plague is what we uh, would refer to it as. But this is also the institution of of Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 through 13, God is speaking through Moses. And he says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, They are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to the father's household, a lamb for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, in proportion uh, to what each one should eat. You are to divide the lamb, your lamb should be unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to slaughter it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it onto the two doorposts, onto the lintel of the house, which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh the same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not let, or do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs and its entrails. And you should not leave any of it uh, over until morning, but whatever is left until morning, you shall completely burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this way, with your garment belted around your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt that night and fatally strike all of the firstborn of the land of Egypt, from the human firstborn to animals, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned to you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will come upon you to destroy you And until I strike uh, the land of Egypt." So here in Exodus chapter 12 is the institution of of the celebration of Passover. And and of course, the the term Passover comes directly from this passage. Uh, This is like says, this is the 10th plague. And God says, I'm going to come down. I'm not going to send the death angel. I'm going to come down myself, and I'm going to kill the firstborn of every house. And he says, but if you follow my instructions exactly how I give them to you, and you put the blood on the doorpost and across the lintel. So when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And from that day on, for, for thousands of years, the children of Israel would, would celebrate Passover as a remembrance of what God had done for them. And they would bring sacrifices year after year after year after year. And, late, and just a few months later, as they go into the wilderness and they are given the Ten Commandments and then they were given, given the Levitical law there would be other, uh, other lambs that they would need to bring for other sacrifices. And we think of uh, the Day of Atonement uh, when a lamb was sacrificed for the entire nation of Israel. And this went on year after year after year after year. And yet every time the lamb was killed for the sins of the nation, just a few minutes later, that sin would be right back. Is a stain upon those people. And so this was just a continual every year, every, every time it came for sacrifice, for whatever celebration, whatever sacrifice it may be, they had to bring a lamb. And this went on for years and decades and centuries until the New Testament. When Jesus shows up, John, in John chapter 1, John is out preaching And Jesus uh, is coming toward John, and John sees him. He says, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At that moment, I believe that John supernaturally understood what was going to happen. He saw Jesus, and, and God revealed to him that once Jesus made the final sacrifice, there wouldn't need to be another Passover lamb. There wouldn't need to be another sacrifice given because Jesus was that perfect lamb. You see, in in Exodus, the the instructions were that you were to bring a, a male lamb without blemish. Now, no matter how much they tried, and no matter how much they searched and searched, there was no way that the children of Israel were ever going to find a perfect lamb. There was no way that there was going to be a perfect sacrifice given. And yet here, when John sees Jesus, he realizes that finally, a perfect lamb had been found. And that's, when he, that's why he says that the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. You see, the, the Passover lambs, they were just there for the household. Uh, and God gave instructions, said you were to kill one lamb per household. And he said, if, you, if your house isn't big enough, uh, you know, not enough people, then you and your neighbor, you kill a lamb according to how much you need. But there was one lamb for every household. And yet this morning, the symbol that we're looking at of a lamb, the Lamb of God, it doesn't just take away the sin of a house. it takes away the sin of the world. Amen. And so this morning, our first symbol of a lamb, as we sit and we think about uh, Easter, I think a lot of times, because we, we are Gentiles,'re not you know, we weren't uh, brought up in the Jewish tradition, sometimes I don't think we realize the, the burden. That those sacrifices were to the nation of Israel to just daily, you know, be thinking about the next sacrifice that they needed to bring. And here, this lamb, the Lamb of God, would do away with all of that. And this morning, that's here. That's who we. That's why we're here uh, to celebrate as the Lamb of God. But in order for that lamb to be sacrificed, we needed a a, uh, a place to sacrifice the lamb. And that leads us to our second symbol, which is a cross. And probably the cross is probably the most, if not the most, one of the most recognized symbols in all of the world. Uh, Sadly, many people believe the cross is a decoration or a piece of jewelry and that's it. Uh, Or they use it to identify uh, that they are a Christian uh, but they don't really fully understand what that symbol means. And so <clears throat> in the New Testament, I mean, a cross, that was a means of execution. That was that was something that signified death. It wasn't, you know, when we look to a cross, because of what happened on the cross with Christ, we look to the cross as a symbol of hope. But in their day, the cross was a symbol of death and destruction. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Christ is teaching and he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And so in Jesus' ministry, he alludes to the cross. And again, you know, we look at it as a symbol of hope. But when he tells his disciples that, he's saying, look, you're going to have to die. When he talks about someone taking up the cross, that refers to, as we see in the Easter story, Jesus carrying his cross and not able to carry his cross. That's what it meant was taking up your cross, was you would carry your cross to where you were going to be executed. And so Christ is telling his disciples, look, this Christian life, uh, you're going to have to die. It's going to cost you your life. And he says, but if you're going to follow me, that's what you're going to have to do. He said, you have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross And follow me. But not only did he talk to his disciples about just taking up the cross. He also specifically talked about his own death. In Matthew chapter 17. Verse 22 and 23 he says. And while they were gathering together in Galilee. Jesus said to him. The son of man is going to be handed over to men. And they will kill him. And then later on that passage. Talking about his disciples and says. And they were deeply grieved. So Jesus tells his disciples here that he would be killed. He says that he said I'm going to be delivered into sinful into the hands of sinful men and I'm going to be killed. And so his disciples at that point were were very grieved about what he was saying to them. He uh, later on in John chapter 3 makes an even more specific reference to the cross. He says, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with what he is referring to in the, in the Old Testament, a, a, a plague had been sent into the camp uh, in, in, when they were wandering in the wilderness. And uh, God tells Moses to make this uh, bronze serpent And hold it up on a pole and if they looked at it, they'd be healed. And so here Jesus is referring to that and he says just as that happened, if they looked upon that serpent, they would be healed. He says in the same way Jesus says, I will have to be lifted up. And people will be healed because of that. And so uh, he is making a reference to what is going to happen to him. He's going to be lifted up onto a cross. And so we have a lamb, we have the cross, and unfortunately, uh, after all of Jesus' teachings to the disciples, the problem was they didn't quite understand what he was trying to get at. They didn't fully understand, it, which leads us to our third and final uh, symbol, which is a tomb. It's not just a tomb, it's an empty tomb. You know, there are lots of tombs in this world. <clears throat> and uh, every once in a while, there'll be a discovery of some ancient person uh, that's been mummified. And, and they uh, it's a, a big discovery that they have discovered uh, someone. Uh, and they, they look through all these tombs. And uh, typically, when you look through a tomb, it's actually surprising when there's not a body in there. Uh, I remember learning about, you know, uh, ancient Egypt. And the problem we have with a lot of the, the tombs that were built then was they would put gold and silver and, and different uh, valuable things in, in these tombs with these pharaohs. And so there would be, through the years, people that would go in and, and steal things out of the tomb, and they'd steal the bodies out of the tombs. <clears throat> and so in our world, though, <clears throat> we have graves. We, uh, <clears throat> and in those graves are are remains of humans. And so like I said, we're we're not celebrating this morning a tomb. We're celebrating an empty tomb. Amen. And and you know I, I think <clears throat> I, I always feel bad for Thomas. Because when we think of Thomas, what, what do we think of? Doubting Thomas. And I, I feel bad for that because Thomas is not the only disciple that doubted what happened. In fact, <clears throat> all of the disciples doubted what had happened. And in John chapter 20, verse 1 through 2, is another uh, reading of, of what happened on Easter uh, Sunday, Sunday morning. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples or the other disciple that loved one that loved Jesus and uh, said they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And as dad read this morning from Luke, the disciples themselves, as the women came, they they didn't understand. They they thought someone had stolen the body. And so, like I said, we, we always talk about doubting Thomas, but really. All of the disciples doubted what was going on. When they saw the empty tomb, they didn't know what was happening. They were doubting what was going on. And I want to go back to Matthew chapter 17. We read this earlier, and I if you notice there was a dot 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 in there. Uh, I left something out because when we were talking about the cross, I wanted to focus on the death, but something Jesus said that the disciples seemed to miss. He said, and while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to him, or said to them, the son of man is going to be handed over to men and they will kill him and notice this, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved. It's almost like they completely missed what Jesus said. They focused on the fact that he was going to die, but they completely missed the idea that Jesus said he will be raised on the third day. Now, it's not just, uh, you know, sometimes you think, well, wait a second. I mean, come on. He was he was telling them a lot of stuff. Surely they would, you know, it's okay if they just missed a few words. But in Luke chapter 24, what Dad read this morning, when Mary is there at the tomb, uh, spe- there are two angels there. And one of the angels in Luke chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, it says, He is not here, but he is risen. Notice this. Remember how he spoke to you while he was in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be handed over to sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, rise from the dead. And notice this. And they remembered his words. You see, Jesus told them that he would be crucified. He told them. That yes, he was going to be crucified, he was going to be handed over to sinful men, he was going to be killed. But he did specifically tell them, on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And so this morning as we look at the tomb, like I said, it's not just a tomb. It is an empty tomb. And something that the disciples should have expect, expected, but they were completely taken by surprise to see this empty tomb. And I, I think it's important to uh, understand a few years ago uh, we took a, a, few, a few of us took a, a uh, like a soul winning course on how to share the gospel with someone. And, and one thing they brought up that, that has stuck with me is a lot of times we talk about how Jesus died for our sins, especially when we're talking to the unsaved and we are talking about how to get rid of your sins. It's Jesus died for your sins. But in Scripture, it's not just that he died Because to be honest, and I don't want to be sacrilegious here, but to be honest, without the empty tomb, the cross is kind of meaningless. If Jesus just died on the cross and that was it, his death wouldn't have meant anything. It wouldn't have done anything. But the fact that Jesus died, but not only that, he rose again the third day. And that was that soul winning course that we took said, you know, make sure to emphasize the fact they didn't just die. He rose again on the third day because that's really the complete message of the gospel. A lot of times we focus on the fact that he died for our sins, but the complete message is that he rose again from the dead. And all throughout the New Testament, after, uh, when, you know, after the gospels, when you, you go through the book of Acts and then Paul's writings and, and, the, and the epistles, the the emphasis is not just on the fact that he died, the fact that he rose again and one of the reasons why we need to emphasize that is because the Bible says that Christ is the the first fruits he's the firstborn and his resurrection is the first fruits of what's going to happen to us and so when we die we if we die in Christ we are promised that we will rise again just like just like Jesus rose again. And in fact in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church and he says, for I handed down to you as first importance what also I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he raised again the third day according to the Scriptures. Notice what Paul says here. He says this is, this is key. This is the, the utmost importance. This is the first thing that you need to understand is that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to what had been prophesied. And so this morning, as we look at the symbols of of Easter, a lamb, a cross, and a tomb, I think we can be thankful uh, that Christ came as the perfect lamb. Christ came to put away the the sacrificial system and to to completely fulfill what, what God had established back in Exodus. We can be uh, thankful for his sacrifice on on his cross. We can be mournful for our sins. But I think also we can be confident in the fact that we serve a risen Savior. That our God is not laying in a tomb that we can go visit and pay homage to, but our God is sitting uh, on his throne right now in heaven because he raised the third day and there is an empty tomb. So, this morning, I think we should spend this this time to be thankful for the sacrifice of the cross and be thankful for the empty tomb. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your scripture. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for sending the perfect lamb that could take away the sins of the entire world. But, Lord, not only that, we are thankful for the empty tomb. We are thankful that your power rose you from the dead and that we can be confident that we are serving a risen Savior this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.